Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 68 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game up to the next level. I am Sarah. And I am Rob. How are we doing, Rob? You know, I'm... Don't answer that. Yeah. I know how we're doing. (laughs) It's all a game of survival. Today has been a day from hell for just about all of us, and uh, we are going to... Put all that aside. This is our weekly therapy. Yes. We're here. We're here. We're, we're here. together. Yes. We're alive. We are indulging you. in a hobby. We've got our friends in the live chat. We've got our listeners listening to us after the recording. Thank you all. We love you. You make this so worth it. And holy hell, can this day just be over? Yeah. Yeah. That's not a bad way of putting it. That's not <laughs> can we just move on past hump day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just get past it. Man. All right. Are we getting into the topic? Yeah, we can get right into the topic. Yeah. You got anything else? Well, no, I was just going to say, uh, we've started doing this uh, pre-show music uh, since our last episode, and I'm thinking I'm going to continue it, because a few people were saying that it was a little weird getting in the stream if there was nothing being streamed. Yeah, the, so, live, the live broadcast seems to clip if we just jump right into the broadcast. So, so. we figured we'll just uh, we'll give you guys a little bit of uh, pre-music, some uh, some stuff to the tracks that we find, stuff that we didn't necessarily use for the show, but yeah. uh, are interested in, uh, and if, uh, if you find something like like maybe you'll end up using your game yeah absolutely so but uh other than that uh we have a show to talk about about starting new things yeah um so i'd come up with an idea um a little bit ago and it was just just a, a, a kind of an, a passing idle thought um you and i uh, we've mentioned a couple times on the show are really big fans of the division yes uh, the video game uh, yes specifically the division two mm-hmm. and uh so i was watching one of the uh the the youtubers streamers that uh that is in the community and mm-hmm. he'd gone back and was playing actually the first game mm-hmm. uh they had a mode in there called survival yes and it had some elements where like you've uh it's it takes place in the in a blizzard so mm-hmm. you've got to manage things like your 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 temperature and stuff like that right and um he was talking as he was as he was playing the game about how when the when the game was first introduced how it it looked like it was going to have a lot more RPG elements than it actually turned out. It turned out to be right. kind of a looter shooter. So right, just, right, just, right. just run out, shoot, get loot, you know, rinse right, out the right. repeat. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'd been following the game since it was announced at E3 um, so many years ago. And mm-hmm. uh, originally that's what I thought, too, was it was going to be kind of this post-apocalyptic sort of role-playing game um, with a lot of, like, survival elements to it and such like that. Sure, sure, sure. And... So my my thought process immediately went from man, it would have been really cool if the video game offered us this role playing experience, and then immediately jumped to wait, hold on a second, I literally have a podcast <laughs> mm-hmm. about a role playing experience about taking any story and slapping it into any it, system exactly. and making it work for you. And I'm thinking to myself like this is a really elaborate, vivid world, mm-hmm. and like why why couldn't I capture that feel in a game. How is it any different than Elder Scrolls? Right, exactly. And that's exactly what I did with the Elder Scrolls. Was it looked, is. At, looked at the game and went, uh, this needs to be fleshed out more mm-hmm. outside of the bonds of mm-hmm. its own programming and out of its own gameplay loop. Yeah. I should take it to the tabletop. And so I looked at the, I looked at the division. I said, you know, we should probably, well, we could do the same thing. You know? mm-hmm. But how would I capture that feel? It wouldn't be D&D. No. You know, by far, wouldn't I, even, even the modern versions of D&D um, that are out there, I don't think would work well for the system. And that got me thinking about, uh, you know, what system would. It got me poking around for different systems and stuff like that. And I landed actually on Savage Worlds, which if you're part of the Discord, you saw a little bit of discussion going yeah, on yeah. about that. Uh, one of our Patreons, Draven, uh, was actually mentioning that, uh, you know, he'd run Savage Worlds. You were telling me that, that one of our other Patreons, o- Overwatch, yep. um, also uh, has run Savage Worlds in mm-hmm. the past. So, you know, I got a little bit of, uh, I did a little bit of my own research. I asked Draven about that. He gave yeah. us a little bit of his input so um but that kind of leads us into today's topic of like okay i've never run savage worlds before and other than draven and overwatch um i don't know anybody who's who has played it right uh and uh uh so how would i bring that new game even one that i haven't even played or run yet and introduce that into our group well and, and i think you could even roll back a step in the selection process a little bit mm-hmm. because knowing 
what you want to get out of it right. is also important. Because what you're not only doing is you're not just taking a whole... You're, it's not like you're grabbing 5th edition for the first time in a module and saying, okay, now I need to find a group. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about whole cloth, like, I've got an idea. Yeah. And where do you take that idea and, and kind of dissect it? I mean, you stepped right into it by saying, like, what type of game you wanted. Mm-hmm. So I think as a storyteller coming from that aspect, you're defining the feel of the game, that gritty realism that you were kind of talking about, yeah, that yeah. that it's not pulp, it's not horror, mm-hmm. you know, so you're you're kind of niching yourself already through systems and, yeah. and design. I mean, it's gritty realism, so, like, 7C isn't going to work necessarily. It's a little too heroic. Right. You know, right. Um, you know, so even if you're just looking at system feel, mm-hmm. you're kind of having to narrow down that field a little bit and determine how you want the feeling. And you even talking about like fifth edition really isn't going to work because it is tactical realism that's going on there more than anything else. It doesn't give you all the elements that you wanted out of it. Necessarily well, well it is actually the tactical that I wanted, but, but not, I did, but not done. I don't want to reflavor, right, I mean, right. reflavor fantasy game essentially to right. play a tactical future tech, okay. um, you know, a uh, post-apocalyptic game. Fair that enough. That takes place in, in essentially modern age. Right. So, I mean, but you have other flavors out there. You've got Star Wars system. Well, You've right, got, yeah. you know, um, which do have tactical elements to them. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, you're talking about how you wanted more role-playing elements to it and how you wanted that to be incorporated. And that really does weigh into the setting and the system that fits well with that setting. Right, right. So, I mean, you're kind of narrowing things down, and some of it is a matter of knowing those different systems. The other is doing a little bit of research like you did, Mm -hmm. um, and coming upon Savage Worlds. I'm not saying that there probably isn't another system out there that would fit it even better. Oh, yeah. I I, I got probably a dozen names Mm -hmm. in just a half hour worth of searching. Right. Um, But Savage Worlds seemed to be the one that most people kind of agreed on, and I knew it was a little more popular of a system. Okay. Um, I'd actually seen it played. Uh, The Critical Role crew did a one-shot of... uh, 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 called Undeadwood mm-hmm. that was basically set in the Weird West. Okay. Um, of you know Deadlands basically. Uh, in fact, uh, Deadlands actually is using the Savage World system right, nowadays. Right. So I think then you're starting to. I mean, you did it naturally because mm-hmm. again, it's organic. It's not like you haven't done this before with another system. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, with another setting. So it, it comes down to okay. So now that you've got this little breadth of systems that you've kind of got ideas about, mm-hmm. how crunchy are those numbers? How tight are those rules? Do you have to find something right. that is defined as tech, like Shadowrun, mm-hmm. and then you know scrape off the world? on top of it and apply your own yeah yeah you know and then remove elements or do you take something that's a little more free form that's got a little less um guts to it that's mm-hmm. tied to specific things where like in your case with savage worlds you said you know there are systems in there for basically saying it's not magic it's tech yeah yeah you know it's literally just a translation of word mm-hmm. um whereas something like Shadowrun, you've got hard and fast rules for in, for its internet, for its different systems for uh, magic and and powers and you know psychic things and stuff like that, mm-hmm. so it's it's very uh, specified in how those things work, and it's hard for you to scrape out what you need right. without it being a, a challenging system to reweight. Exactly. Uh, you know, so. Not- Knox is actually saying in the uh, in the, the the live chat right now, kit bashed mm-hmm. system. Yeah, and. I, and that and that was a consideration. Yeah, oh yeah, totally, me. totally. Um, it was absolutely a consideration, but I don't, I don't like kit bashing. I don't like homebrewing things it, it, if, if I don't have to, because what I find is is I can write all the rules, but then now I need to essentially write a new <laughs> player's guide for yeah. you guys, saying these are the rules we're playing by, these are the rules we're ignoring, right? And the gaps in the rules in the balance of the system that ignoring certain rules leaves yes. are now being accounted for in this way. Right. You know, and that I, I think there are people who lean into that mm-hmm. and who are very good at doing those kind of balancing games in their minds. I am not one of those oh, numbers, people who could do that. People, yeah. So if you, uh, if you're going to go into something like this, where you're, you you have a setting in mind mm-hmm. that doesn't fit an existing system. And doesn't, or it's an existing system. So, for instance, maybe you really love Ravenloft, but you don't want it to be tactical. Mm-hmm. Like you, you want to tell more of a story. There's no reason why you can't take Ravenloft and run it with um, Vampire the Masquerade rules. 
Yeah, that's there's true. nothing wrong with that. That's true. So, but and it's going to be much easier because now you have a rule set that is literally designed, mm-hmm. and you can work with that and just relabel things. It's designed around horror stellar storytelling involving vampires. Yeah, but there's also nothing to say you couldn't just run it with fate, yeah. or or something very thin. Ravenloft with dread. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes the rules lighter systems require more from the players, not so much from the storyteller or the GM yeah. or the DM, depending on how heavy you're getting into that role. Um, so a, a lot of that goes into it when you're talking about the crunchiness of the rules mm-hmm. and how much weight goes on to you as a storyteller to occupy the players and make sure they're following the rules and that they have the rules they need so they're within a guideline versus it being free form and saying it's very narrative yeah. we're going to play this together and we're all going to have a good time mm-hmm. you know so in your sense we can continue through this lovely story but the i guess the next thing is is that now you've got this great idea how do you know your players are going to like it Right, right. What so players do you choose? You've narrowed down your game system now, um, and you have to sell it to them, essentially. Yeah. And some people are not going to like the idea. No. I mean, I've I've shopped around ideas, and like uh, I, I'm, I'm very used to my boyfriend supporting me in pretty much all of my gaming endeavors. And I came up, um, when I was really big into Dread, mm-hmm. uh, 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 like last year, um, I came up with the idea of like, hey, you know, around Halloween, what if I run a, you know, a Cthulhu style one shot using Dread? Wasn't that sound like a great idea? And he was like, yeah. I was like, really? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I don't really, I don't really do horror. But I mean, yeah, grab your friends. That'd be yeah. fun. Yeah. Sounds like fun for them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I guess that's. When your cheerleader every... dies down yeah, a little not bit a, for not you. Yeah, every cup of tea, okay. okay right. Yeah, you know, and it really kind of made me... It, it was it was that moment where I was like, oh, wow, yeah, actually that, that uh, horror game really isn't for everyone. Mm-mm. And then it got me immediately thinking of, like, uh, uh, Vicky. Like, yeah. your, your wife would not enjoy not, that no. game. I mean, whatsoever. I ran something just a little bit scary mm-hmm. in my last session, and she was already, like, nope and nope. out of it. Nope. Like, player nope and it right out. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so, uh... Uh, which makes me self-conscious about my particular horror elements going on in my game right I mean, now. But it's gonna get, it's gonna be different. Yeah. But also, it's a, it's preparing the players mm-hmm. and getting that, getting that buy-in. Yeah. yeah. You know. And I think it's all also about um how the how the player is positioned in the uh in that horror story as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're in a position where they can exert force on the horror, mm-hmm. um, then it's less scary. Right. You know. Right. If you, if you've got a if you've got a plus one longbow. Yeah, and you're literally just taking things out left yeah, and right. Exactly. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of that comes, and we've talked about that with the way that you can take a horror situation and make it Scooby Doo, mm-hmm. or make it Silent Hill. Right. Like that's right. all horror. Oh yeah. And realistically, the monsters don't need to change within that. Mm-hmm. It's how you portray them. Exactly. It's the music you use. It's the attitude you take when you present it with your players. But not just. But not just horror, though. I mean, horror is obviously not not just not everybody's bag. Um, but even like you know, high adventure and heroics. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people don't like the the high adventure sort of stuff because it's not grounded enough in reality for them. You right. Know? Right. Um, it's just that not every game is gonna is, is gonna be everybody's cup of tea. So I think the first thing you need to do when you're introducing a new game system to your group or to your to your potential group in in general is identify what type of game it is because it's not always clear sometimes you know right um i mean like for instance savage worlds Mm -hmm. it's a it's it's a a genreless game system yeah it's arguably tactical because it does it does lean into things like miniatures and Mm -hmm. and, you know actual like map mini play Mm -hmm. um but uh, it's it's genreless. It's a uh, it's a system agnostic, you know, or setting agnostic system mm-hmm. like Fate is. So mm-hmm. beyond that, it's really what stories are you telling with it, right? You right. Know? Um, and so you you kind of run into your like, is it is it scary? Is it adventure heroic? Or is it somewhere kind of in the middle, which usually ends up being tactical or gritty? Right. Right. Um. And then honestly. You just have to kind of shop it around. Yeah. You, um, you have to think about, okay, if I want to do something that's tactical and gritty, do you know your players well enough to know that they're going to enjoy that? Mm-hmm. That they're going to enjoy 20 minutes of combat? Or having minis on a table and dealing with 
crunching moment to moment to get through something. Right. You know? Right. Okay. So yeah, you're you're in your safe house and you you bust out the front door on your way to something, you get two blocks away, turn the corner, and there's a squad of six guys, one with a heavy machine gun. And uh okay, let's see if they notice you. Right. Now it's all roll initiative. Right. And now and we now, pull out a grid, now we pull out right. you know. And forty minutes later, Three of you are severely injured. One of you is, you know, is tending to them. The other person's literally resuscitating somebody. The, the whole, you've got the group down. Mm-hmm. There's literally piles of guns and ammo laying around. One guy is literally still shooting off rounds because you hit him in his ammo pack, you know, on the ground. And the silence befalls. And was that cool for your entire group? Yeah. But at yeah. the same time, that's your sales pitch right there. Mm-hmm. When you're describing something... In a setting, like when I sell 7C to people, mm-hmm. I sell it as a, a movie scene. Yeah. That each moment I'm af- effectively moving the camera and focusing on players and giving people narrative and letting them roll piles of dice to come up with something amazing, you know. And at the end of the day, you you don't die. You wash up on shore because mm-hmm. your ship capsized and okay – now you're somewhere else. You know, you didn't, unless it's a literally a villain, villain stabbing you through the chest. And even then, there's that moment where you can literally grab his blade while he's doing it. You know, smile at him and then grab him by the shirt and dry, you know, jump off the building with him. Right, right. You know, you have that option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a different system, but it's how you sell the scene. You know, actually, I'm kind of glad you brought up 7C, because that's, like, kind of your other dichotomy. Mm -hmm. It's not just horror to adventure to crunch in the middle, Mm -hmm. but you've also got that kind of access of crunch to narrative. Mm -hmm. And, again, neither one is better than the other. Yeah. Um, But, you know, there are some players who like crunchy rules because they set hard um, rules for what can and cannot happen and how it needs to happen. Yep. Um, and it gives them a very good grasp on what is quote unquote real within mm-hmm. the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some people who really like narrative play, where it's like, look, I don't want to, I don't want to have to pull out a slide rule and a graphing calculator to figure out my initiative this turn. Right. You know, just tell me I fired my gun and I hit him. You know. Right. And just tell a story. Right. You know? um, and there are some players who can who can move up and down that axis. Uh, uh, you know, mm-hmm. just just fine. Mm-hmm. I tend to lay on the uh, the narrative side of that mm-hmm. axis. Very much so. Um, but yeah, I like me some crunch sometimes. Yeah, I, I like I like fifth edition. I like the the tactical feel of that game. I mean, you play BattleTech. Yeah, I that's, play BattleTech. That's, that's, that's hardly that's crunch. crunch. That's literally crunch. It's all crunch. We we throw on top of the crunch a little narrative, right? You know, for flavor. You know, but realistically, it's pure crunch. Yeah, versus... you, can, you can literally just put battle mechs on the board and just play it as a board game if you want to. You don't even need the yeah. role play. Yeah, yeah, seriously. But on the other side of the scale, you do have the pure narrative, mm-hmm. where basically it's just describing actions, and then yeah. the real rules of the system is who gets to determine what happened at the end mm-hmm. versus who gets to determine who's there. Right, and right. that's that's pure narrative. That's great. But yeah, I agree. I, I I think you can go either way, but it's about how you sell that scene, and and I think we've done it. We do it subconsciously when we're presenting stuff to other people. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, okay, so you want to do this thing in Savage World. All right, well, well, give me, you know, what's the difference? And you're like, okay, well, basically what it's going to come down to. And you describe mm-hmm. dice and the scene all in one breath. Yep. And that's like, oh, yeah, I, okay, I could totally see that. Mm-hmm. So what's this whole initiative thing with cards? Like, I don't get that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's, you're allowing those questions to be asked and people to get comfortable with it but a lot of people just need to see it Mm -hmm. and so i think i found that um a lot of times because we have the advent of the internet and there's a ton of people who do record their shows yeah you know their games it's a good alternative to being able to you have your sales pitch but the same thing is and this is the system right so why don't you go watch this it's it's not perfect of what we're going to be doing but it is the system being ran yeah and this is how they run it so. And, and I, w- I would say probably if you're if you are going to do that, make sure you find a link to something yes. that is representative of what your vision of it is mm-hmm. and, and is up to the quality that you want to present to somebody. Yeah. Um, rather than just say, oh, go search Savage Worlds. Don't don't because don't. you're you, it's a grab bag then. Yeah. It's so, well the same thing with 7C. I've seen a mm-hmm. lot of different people run 7C. I can flat out say they're all different. 
everybody runs it a little differently mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the way that they do their narratives and the way that thing even between first edition first edition and second edition there's critical differences yeah so it's very easy to easy to get confused in it but it gives you a general flavor but it's always better to pick which which depiction you wish to show mm-hmm. definitely definitely so so i th- i think um too and we we kind of we kind of talked about this how how not every game is for every player but i think that means you know th- that not every gaming group is going to look the same. True. If you're going to change groups, or if you're going to change games, mm-hmm. you're almost certainly going to change groups. Yes. Um, at least at least in a small way. You may lose only one player and pick up another, but... At the same time, you also may have to tell people, like, I don't think this game's going to be your game. Because mm-hmm. they may hear from somebody else and be like, dude, you know how much I love, you know, loot and shoots. And you're like, well, that's not what this is going to be. Right. We're trying to move it away from the video game and get to the core of what it's trying to represent. Right. Right. As more of a realistic, post-apocalyptic, you are the last vanguard against society falling apart, you know. Yeah. And it's falling apart anyways. Yeah. And you you may have to politely say no. Yeah. To some players. And that's hard. That's really hard. Um, I, I can tell you a number of times when I've had to do it like and it's always better to do it in person don't just send him a text message or something yeah that's like the worst it's almost like breaking up with somebody it's it kind of is yeah because uh, you feel you feel like you're letting them down because they are very close to you and they and they, they genuinely just want to be involved yes. you know they're like hey they we're friends your i want to be doing friend stuff with you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and sometimes you're like man you're just gonna have a bad time like this is gonna this is not going to be your game. Nox, and, there are... Hold on, let me do this real quick. Nox, there are totally board games that you can RP. I I can tell you when I was a kid, uh, role-playing in Monopoly was a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> so many times. So many times oh, yeah. I did it in Monopoly. Uh, game of Life was another big one. Yeah, that yeah. It just happened. Um, but I would have to say, I want to say it was Heroes. Um, there was a game called Heroes, okay. and then there was Talisman. Was the other one that was Talisman like it? Sounds familiar, but I don't. Yeah, so those games were like board game versions of Dungeons and Dragons, effectively. I mean, there was, there was Hero Quest. Yeah, back in the day, and then uh, uh, as a fan of the Cthulhu Mythos, um, I got Eldritch Horror. Yep, which uh, I still I still want to get together with you guys and play mm-hmm. that. On uh, that, you can definitely you can definitely involve a little bit of role playing with that. Totally, totally. So yeah, yeah, totally can do it. So and, and that's that's just to say that they're systems. They're just a game system. With dice and pieces. That's it. <laughs> is, I'm mixing Dream Date with Mall Madness, and I'm totally dating Billy. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> That's amazing. Lord. So, uh, let's see. Where do, where do we live off? We were... Uh, oh, saying, oh saying, saying no. Saying no. That's right. But alternately, some of your players may reject you. Oh, yeah. Totally. You know? They're, like, like I said earlier, where I was like, hey, Sean, yeah. you're my, my biggest cheerleader and my biggest supporter and the mm-hmm. love of my life. Why don't, you know, let's do this thing I'm mm-hmm. super enthusiastic about. And he looked me in the eye and was like, eh. Yeah. No, have fun. Or they're, you don't realize where they are. Uh-huh. Like, I've got four games I'm playing in right now. Yeah. I don't have time. I really want to. Yeah. But, like... It's a shame. If you'd have asked me three months ago, I'd have said yes. Yeah. Or, like, m- maybe if one of these folds up and, you know, doesn't happen, I could jump in. But at the same time... Yeah. <laughs> Sean says, I'm not rejected. You're rejected. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's the other hard thing is, is that you, if you had your mindset on someone joining the game and they're just not available. You know, or they don't have the the spoons or the time or the the endeavor to jump into it. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's another hard thing you have to deal with, especially if it was somebody that you were counting on joining. Yeah, yeah. So. That's when you're like, oh, and wow, like, this do is, you this put is it the off? Game I made for this person, yeah, you know, with this person in mind, and then you get rejected by them, and you're like, well, sh- oh, yeah. crap, you know, <laughs> it's a little bit of a thing. But at the same time, yeah. you, you keep up with it. Don't, yeah. don't, don't let your world die just because one person didn't show up. Exactly. And you'd be surprised, you know, you, you, you may actually do that where you're like, oh, wow, this is the, totally the game for this person. And then they can't show up for it. And you find that without them in the group, you still have an amazing group mm-hmm. that is super enthusiastic and has mm-hmm. just a ton of fun. And it's, it's no less fun for having yep. a person absent. So. Yep. Yep. So. All right. So. You found your players, you mm-hmm. shopped the game to yep. them, and I'm you've you. got a group now. Indeed. And now you need to go through the arduous task of introducing the game to them. So, before even the zero session, mm-hmm. like, 
um, one of the things that uh, I've found is a lot of the a lot of the quote unquote newer systems. D and D's done this now with Fifth Edition. Uh, City of Mist has done this. Um, I want to say Urban Shadows did this as well. Okay. Um, they'll come out with like a free or uh, or very inexpensive like kickstart for the game. Oh like yeah, a quick start, five dollar. Yeah, and it usually has the character sheets, mm-hmm. a, a quick mission, um, or a write up that shows like actual play yeah. and role play involved in it, so you get to see the dice and the actions. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, role playing books will have that in there, where like you'll get to a part that talks about combat, and they'll give you like a write up of the combat between the characters and the players mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the dice rolls, which is wonderful for people who can't necessarily think about all the rules and how they interact, mm-hmm. but kind of want to, like, how does that play out? Those types of guides are so worth their gold. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember um, we were getting introduced to uh, to Cities of Mist, mm-hmm. or City of Did Mist, Mist yeah. uh, originally. Uh, I remember looking over the like the rules for it and going, quick this, start. Is really, this is really abstract. Like, I, oh, I'm having a tough time grasping it because it's so abstract. Like, right. I do need a little crunch yep, yep. as a treat. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, uh, when then I did see the actual play, like, transcript of, like, okay, here's how combat happens. Yep. And it was written out as, like, a transcript of the discussion that happens at the table. Yes. Of, like, okay, so my character is going to turn into a ball of lava, essentially. Right. Okay, well, you need to make a roll for that. So okay. what aspects are you using, et cetera, yep. et cetera. Yep. And it goes from there. And then I was like, oh, okay. Okay, I see the value in having mm-hmm. that. And I see how these things tie together. Yep. You know. And you got their their character sheets, so you could look at their character sheet while oh, yeah. reading along with that, and it tied everything together nicely. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's justice that systems are doing exceptionally well these days. I don't think those are are really weighted enough mm-hmm. um, when it comes to trying to bring people in, especially people who've never gamed or who have gamed systems that just don't have the same connectivity. For instance, um, you know, I've met people who basically have played high. Um, high fantasy, low crunch games mm-hmm. where it's almost pure narrative, but they go to play D and D and they're like, what? Like, what do I have to do for a spell? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Usually I just say I'm casting a spell. Yeah. Like I roll bet. two dice and it's either a success or a failure. I'm There's like, these weird spell slots. What the hell is a saving throw? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. what, what, what am I keeping track of here? I mean, I'm, I'm down, but like, what do I do? Wait, hold on. If this guy rolls higher than a yeah. 15, my spell just does nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks but, guys. Yeah. Sounds it, fun. Yeah. But at the same time, giving them that mm-hmm. extra design helps a lot. Yeah. So, and, and the other thing is, is, and and this is kind of the other hard part about it is is that some people get exceptionally I know I do exceptionally overwhelmed when there's so much information being set forth. Yeah. If you present like Palladium's a perfect example. Uh-huh. If I'm bringing rifts to the table, and I I literally come to the you know negative two session, the character creation discussion session with nine books. Oh yeah. And I say, okay, what do you want to be? And they're like, I don't even know what the world is. Yeah. What is that? But again, you've got photos, you've got concepts you can talk through, you can mm-hmm. show them pictures. And I think that was one of the things that um, uh, Vampire the Masquerade did really well. Mm-hmm. And I think 7C does really well because as you're literally flipping through the and book. really good artwork. To the artwork. conversation. And, and just little, yeah. little discussion boxes that uh-huh. basically say like, well, this is Aizen. These are the people of Aizen. Here's some pictures of the people of Aizen. You can kind of get a feel for who they are. And you're like... Okay, yeah, I I think I kind of like a fully armored dude. That'd be pretty, uh, you know, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And when I when I was thinking about this um, earlier today, I was thinking like there, it's kind of break broken down to like three different categories for me. Okay. Um. So you've got your really familiar settings. Mm-hmm. Okay. F- familiar settings. It's settings that are that are ubiquitous in sure. some way. They have multiple avenues that you can approach them from. Mm-hmm. Either because they're a real world or close enough to the real world that you can just say real world plus zombies. Right. Oh, okay. It's the zombie apocalypse. We all know what that looks like by now okay. through pop culture yeah and if you don't know what it looks like just imagine the real world and add zombies yeah um like the um, like my dnd game the mm-hmm. elder scrolls mm-hmm. it's had multiple different video games there's uh there's a, a series of videos out on it there's wikis there's i mean you can approach the elder scrolls from a multiple different uh, uh different angles mm-hmm. across probably two decades now at this well, point n- not to mention the fact that it has some uh, some assets that are pretty ubiquitous like skyrim yeah like it, most people have heard the term Skyrim, 
and has an have an idea of what it is. Right. Even if you haven't played it, you've probably interacted with it at least tangentially. If you haven't seen, seen the first Rota shirts, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, you 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 haven't been around <laughs> this century. So, or like Wheel of Time, it's okay. a it's a major fantasy property yep. with fourteen books plus a short story in the uh, mm-hmm. in the series. Um, you know, if you say Wheel of Time. Lots of people know what you're talking about. They Very may not exactly so. know the setting, but at least there's going to be a lot of people out there. You could look, you could easily look up a few um, YouTube videos at the mm-hmm. snap of your fingers of break down the Wheel of Time world for me in 30 seconds or less. Right. You know? No, I agree. I agree. All right. So you've got your approachable settings like mm-hmm. that. So those are going to have a lot of media about them. Um, however, uh, you're going to come with the risks of setting false ex- expectations. Very much so. Um, because Because they are so storied and have so much history behind them. Um, fans of the series are going to come in with certain expectations, or or at least could come in with expectations. Also, a misunderstanding of where in a timeline, especially when you're dealing with something like I'll, I'll throw even like you know, um, uh, Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, we're gonna go, we're it's gonna be in the DC universe. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, you've got two people arguing at the table about which timeline, right? Which 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 Batman are we dealing with which in Gotham? Which alternate universe are we in? You know, don't even get into Marvel. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's where things can get very, very challenging to try and say that you have to be, you have to bring down the specificity and or eliminate right. things. Right, right. So you them. have to be very specific. Like my Elder Scrolls game, like, mm-hmm. I mean, the Elder Scrolls games span across uh, three different eras at this point and probably about a thousand years worth of worth of history. Yeah. Between the two yeah, of them. Yeah. Elder Scrolls Online is like early second era and Skyrim is like early fourth era. Yeah. Uh, 200 years into the fourth era. Right. You know, which is 200 years after the Obliv- Oblivion Skyrim or uh, Elder Scrolls 4, etc. Right. But again, so it's very important to point out yeah. where you are in that timeline, you yeah. know? Yep. Yeah. Um, so you do need to By nail the way, down. Nerd. I know. So. Sorry. <laughs> No, you're fine. Um, you're fine. <laughs> but so you you really do need to nail down where you know the the particulars of those settings. Sure, sure, know? okay. And kind of what nip those nip those preconceived notions in the bud. Right. Okay. And answer the questions. Now, yeah. then you've got your proprietary settings. Okay. Okay. Proprietary settings are things like Legend of the Five Rings, Seventh Sea would be one mm-hmm. of these. Uh, Forgotten Realms is a good one. Sure. Um, where they are uh, established mm-hmm. and they're maybe even popular mm-hmm. but they haven't bled out into things like books and movies and i mean forgotten realms kind of has bled out into oh very much books so. and yeah, stuff yeah. like that and i'm sure there's probably some seven c novels out there very much so but uh, but again we're not talking like saturated into pop culture like i can't sit down and watch the seven c movie no you know yeah and there's a lot of people who haven't heard of seven c oh quite a few even right. in gaming culture yep, you know very much so um most everybody's for, heard of Forgotten Realms. So they maybe Forgotten Realms is maybe a bad idea. But what I'm saying is there's no Forgotten Realms movie. Mm-hmm. True, you know? true. Uh, I guess I'm, Neverwinter Nights is y- set in Forgotten Realms. Uh, it's probably a bad example. Again, bad example. Yeah, but... I mean, I, I think it sits between the two, mm-hmm. definitely, because you, den- you tend to have a lot of places where, where Forgotten Realms sits and different information about it. But it definitely is an established world. You can grab a book and read through it and, yeah. and have a good idea of where you're at. And it's easily, it's still ex- as almost as accessible as the previous, but not nearly to the breadth of data. Not not into ubiquity. Yes. 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 Um, so you're still going to be looking for wikis. You're still, probably your primary source is going to be the actual books of the game. Yeah. Which are going to be dense. Which, which can be very dense. Uh, um, back to Rifts yes. is another example where you've got a whole world, just one world yeah. Earth yeah. has like five, six books. Uh, at least. About just Earth. At least. So, you know, and that right there makes it very challenging for them to make decisions mm-hmm. at even a a, a, a a macro level. Oh, yeah. So. I mean, I, I think until we got comfortable with 7C, until I got comfortable with 7C, um, I found that to be the very same thing, you know? We were like, oh, it's it's a high adventure game you know, set in kind of an alternate universe Europe. And I'm like, okay. Okay, I guess I can run with that. And you're, and then you started in with the oh, and there's this magic, and then there's the Inquisition, and there's this going on, and there's this going on. And you started throwing like words like Montaigne and Castillo and yep. Eisen, and I'm like, hold on. And you're like, that's alternate universe, France Spain and Spain, Spain and Germany respectively. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm kind of getting it, yeah, you know. I'm but coming back. Just, yeah. Even just the the introductory thing mm-hmm. was dense. It is very me. dense. It you is know. very dense. I had to learn all sorts of new terms. Yep. I had to learn all sorts of new, and, and it's on top of the game system I had never touched before. So, um, so that's the rescue run. 
but again, you do have a ubiquity of 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 uh, information available to you because they're there. It is available at least. Knox makes an interesting question. I don't know if I've ever done this. Okay, uh, guys, we're not playing tonight. Tonight is a lore history session. I I I don't know. I've I've never done anything like that. But I don't think that it would be a bad idea in the right context. I I don't know. I think if you had an established group, mm-hmm. like you were doing 5th edition, and um, and I think this leans into your third one, which is homebrew. Yeah. I think that's very appropriate. I think a lore session would be appropriate because um, it does give you that option where players, and, and hold me back a little bit on saying this, but especially in a homebrew... Um, it gives your players options to paint in things. And I think that happens in games like um, uh, uh, Shadows. Urban, Urban Shadows. Urban Shadows. Urban Shadows. Is, Dungeon World. Whole Apocalypse. Yeah, where yeah. you're literally allowing your players to write into the world a little bit. Um, but I think that... The I think that would be a good thing to do in those situations. Because now you've got this homebrew world... You've got, uh, you're talking about uh, how the setting wraps into it and what individual things you've made into it. Maybe the lords, the the, the races, how they tie together, things like that. Yeah. Um, and as long as that's, you know, players can then be like, oh, you know, well, you said the orcs in this world are very noble. They're almost, you know, they're, they're more noble than the humans are. They've mm-hmm. been there longer. So, uh, you know, can you, are they still tribal or do they have cities? Like, how cultured are they? And you could say, well, the majority of them are cultured, but there still are some tribal groups that, that hang on to their almost native backgrounds and have those kinds of things. Yep. Um, is that what you're thinking? And that now players can start drawing into the map their niche. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where those kind of sessions come in. I think those are a little bit of a character session, but at the same time, it is a little bit of lore session. Yeah, I might, I might do that just like as a as a full day session zero sort of thing. Yeah, um, especially if character creation is a quick process. Yeah, in that system, um, I would definitely consider doing that as part of the session zero of like, okay, let's yeah. let's talk lore. You know, yeah, if it's important. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, if you're doing a crunchy game where most of it's literally based on stats and gear, you know, there's very little role playing. Lore could be minor. Yeah, it could, could be unimportant. It could. Well, on the other hand, you could sit there for three and a half hours and discuss Warhammer 40k lore. Oh yeah, easily. Mm-hmm. Easily. Like, why is this specific battle happening between this specific group on this specific planet? In this sector of the universe, in, in this sector of space, among this part, at this timeline, you know, mm-hmm. all of that actually has definition in their world oh, yeah. building. So, yeah, you can totally get to that level. Yeah, absolutely. And people love that crap. Um, so I, I would say the, the, the last thing here, and, and, you know, kind of kind of dovetailing off of this whole this whole lore discussion is, like you said, the homebrew, the homebrew or a or really obscure setting. Mm-hmm. You know, one that, that doesn't have ubiquity in, in pop yep. culture, you yep. know, like, we're, well, I mean, City of Mist was like, like this to me. Yeah. I needed City of Mist explained to me because yeah. other than the name and that it was, quote unquote, kind of like fate. Mm-hmm. I don't know shit about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, and especially with homebrew, because there's literally no published material out of it, because then it wouldn't be a homebrew. Um, so it's largely going to rely on you conveying the lore to your group. Yes. Uh, in some sort of constructive fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, either providing them, uh, you know, resources to go read on their own, or, mm-hmm. you know, like you said here, have a, have a group get together and do a, do a lore lecture. Yeah. You know? Um, the the big thing that you're going to risk with this one is losing interest due to lack of engagement. Yes. Um, because it puts so much burden on the storyteller to convey those details through storytelling mm-hmm. uh, that if you cannot accomplish the on-the-fly world building and relating in an understandable way what the story is or what the world is all about, right? Um, players are just going to feel lost all the time. Yes, I agree. And that's that's that, you know? Yeah. Like, where are we again? What is this place? What's going on? Wait, why was that important? Right. What's right. a, what's an Eisenfaust again? <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. That's this big damn, big damn uh, steel fist. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Panzerhand? Panzerhand, yeah. Eisenfaust is a prince? 
The Eyes and Faustus is the local prince, the Iron Prince. Right, okay. Yeah. I, see, I'm, yeah, I learn. I You're learn. Good. I You're can good. be taught. You can be taught. I can be taught. It only took you 12 <laughs> years of gameplay. <laughs> Look, I play a Montaigne, okay? <laughs> you do, you do. <laughs> really, Eisen means nothing to you. I speak with a French accent, mm-hmm. and I, 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 I understand the guns. <laughs> I do not understand the Eisen. That's right. It's true. It's true. You don't. A lot of people don't, but that's perfectly fine. Uh, so... All this comes down to kind of the importance of that first session. Yeah. And and the lead up to said session, making sure that you've got quote unquote hype um, going mm-hmm. up. You've got your players interested so that when you get to that zero session, they may not have character ideas. They may not have any ideas. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be able to bring all those resources to bear in such a way that you're not overwhelming them, but you're presenting them with what they need mm-hmm. and doling it out almost like a multi-course meal. Don't necessarily put everything on the table at the same time because people get overwhelmed. Sure. You know, work around the table. Start with somebody you're confident with. Mm -hmm. You know, for instance, if I was bringing up a new system, I'm not going to start my zero session by talking to somebody who's never played the system, who's, you know, wants to get into the game because it sounds really cool, but at the same time is like really leery about what character they want to be. Yeah. I'm going to turn to like you who instantaneously will have four character ideas, (laughs) you know, and like two initiatives into the story already of what you want to throw at it. There was discussion in the discord just this afternoon, Mm -hmm. uh, techno lich and I, and I think Draven also joined in, uh, talking about what type of player you are at the table. And I was I was actually saying exactly that yeah. I'm I'm the I wait till the end because uh, I'll just play whatever character we need to, to round out the group because I will just come up with four character concepts in you know the course yeah. of that discussion. But at the same time, for a storyteller's sake, if you know the system, mm-hmm. I'm gonna want to lean to you so that the rest of the group, as it spins Can around the see table, me as an example, exactly, and yep. they know that you're another resource that they could lean over and be like. What did he mean by spell slots? Yeah. You know, and now they could say, is that something you're interested in? Well, it sounds complicated. You don't have to do magic. You could actually do it this way. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, okay. And now they're a druid or doing something else where they don't necessarily have to worry about it nearly as much. Yeah, exactly. You exactly. Know? It was uh, it was interesting uh, doing that with um, early uh, Shadowrun uh-huh. was that Shadowrun has a lot of crunch. Oh, it does. And yeah. when it comes down to like, okay, well, what do you want to be? Uh, my wife was playing and she was just like, I, I don't, I don't want anything complicated. And literally the storyteller looked at her and said, how about a big hunk of meat? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I can do that. Who's really lucky. Great. You just have pools of dice and like your gear is a giant normal bow, but it's giant size. Cause you're a troll. Yep. So. There you go. And it worked really well for her because, again, she didn't have to deal with all of the technology and magic and, you know, physical adept stuff or or cyberware. It was just, I'm a giant hunk of meat. And I hit things. (laughs) And she hit things. Yep. And and so you have to know your players and have people at the table who can assist. Yeah, sure. And lean into idea and design. So... Um, you know, the, I mean, we actually, believe it or not, I did jot down something on here about kind of doing the lore, the lore dump. And what I said was viewing party, actually. Ooh, that's a good idea. Uh, finding either a pop culture resource or like, uh, we were talking about adventure, uh, Tales of the Aeon Society last week. And, uh, so I, like, my idea was sit everybody down and watch, uh, Sky Captain, The World of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not perfect, but it's darn close. It is really good. It is close enough that you're going to walk away from watching that movie with ideas about what mm-hmm. you might want to do in a universe that's similar to that. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a really good example of it. I think a a I think adventure can lean into an aspect of um where was I going to go with this one? Hellboy? Mm-hmm. Some of the Hellboy movies kind of has a feel of it. Yeah, it does. It fits. I would, I would agree. You know, because you've got these moments of of definitely narrative that that gets in, an alteration that happens to the world, mm-hmm. and I think that's beautiful. I think it's great. Um, so any those stories are unique, 
in the, the in the way that they are told. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And those are, I think, perfect examples of that. You know, you're you're gonna you're gonna pitch a a seven C game to us and say, okay, it's only gonna be set in Vodachi, so we're gonna come over tonight. We're gonna pop a bottle of wine and watch Dangerous Beauty. Yep, exactly, one hundred percent, without question. Um, or I'm gonna say it's in Montaigne. We're just gonna watch Three Musketeers, the Disney one, mm-hmm. and I'll point out everything as it goes through. Yep. You know, or you know, uh, it's in Avalon. We're gonna watch Brave. Oh yeah. You know. Oh yeah. So, and because that's the kind of thing that I want to lean into, I want to go into the, that side of it. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's definitely ways to do that. I would say. Uh, and then I think the, probably the last, the last uh, bit of things and you, you kind of touched on this earlier with mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, the published adventures yes. that usually come with starter sets that are becoming a lot more prevalent, mm-hmm. um, nowadays at gaming. God, I'm just marveling at how much gaming has become accessible so nice. So nice. over the last 50 years, you know? Yep. Um, it's a tear to the eye. Is that a, a lot of these? A lot of these things do come with one shots, or um, you be able to find published um, uh, published modules that are designed as uh, little starter one shots and stuff like that. Very much so. And uh, so, even if you do have to write it yourself, make your first adventure a milk run. Mm-hmm. You know, keep it simple, no huge twists. Just we're going to get from point A to point B. We're going to fight some bad guys along the way, or something, whatever is thematically appropriate for your story. I'm going to lean against that. I'm actually going to say, if, if you're not doing a homebrew, mm-hmm. if you are literally going with it, just a new system that you want to try, go grab a predefined module as a milk run. Yeah, get yourself used to the system using its rule set. I'm saying, I'm saying, write one yourself. If you can't find one. I agree. Yeah. So, I agree. I agree. Um, but keep it simple. You're right. Yeah, but, but absolutely keep it simple. Just just to get everybody acclimated to actually playing the game. Mm-hmm. And that way you don't have a lot of details. You don't have a lot of role play getting in the way of to just... If you need to stop and figure out a rule because none of you have played this before, you, storyteller included, mm-hmm. um, do it. Or like you your know? character, one of the characters has this thing that you didn't realize was a thing right you know right okay well what does it what does it mean by raises here oh uh i don't know hold on yeah are we dueling is this dueling right now page 57 okay look that up okay uh it says you can roll an extra die or whatever there you you go yeah sure okay uh, and now you know that for the future. Exactly. And you didn't stop anything major. You don't have any like red herrings or plot twists going on. It's just a casual little thing. Um, yeah. So that I think I think we're more or less at the end. Yeah. No, that was good. That was good. All right. All right. Uh, we do have uh, we we have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering if we're almost going to end up a little bit uh, a little bit early. Unless I can stretch this answer. Oh, no. We'll have some fun with this. <laughs> okay, so I got I got called out by our questions by mm-hmm, name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Knox in the Box says, Sarah, for your adventure game, as well as last episode, you recorded a news broadcaster bit to open up the campaign and set its tone. Uh, I also did this uh, in our Aberrant game as well. Um, well, in fact, you helped me with that. Uh, a little news report. Uh, well, a bit of flair like this is innovative and adds to the experience. Do you feel like you need to announce that something like this is a special occurrence so that players don't expect the game to be at an energy level you're not prepared to deliver at every time? Or do you just let it happen and let every game's energy level be a surprise? <sighs> okay, so the answer to this is a little bit complicated. I think it's exceptionally complicated, but go right ahead. Um, so for me, at least, uh, it, it's it's a little bit multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason, some of the reasons I go extra with things like this. I mean, the obvious reason is, the, the, the obvious first reason is that people love it. It gets a really good response. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm capable of doing it, so I should do it. Okay. On top of that, though... Um, I've kind of got two mindsets of it. Okay. Uh, the first one being that um, this is something I enjoy. Storytelling is an art I enjoy. And so I am always looking to up my game. It's one of the reasons why we started this podcast in the first place is to yeah. help other people up their game. Sure. We say it right in the intro. Keep us sharp, too. Exactly. Keep us sharp. Um, but I figure if I am not always trying to improve myself and improve the... Um, the storytelling experience that I can offer my players, then to me, I almost feel like I'm, I'm being lazy about storytelling. Complacent. Complacent. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe that's 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 not an everyone thing. It's not a judgment call if you you know if you aren't doing these theatrics. Like, so no. don't don't read that into this. Like, you have to do this or you're a lazy storyteller. I just feel like for myself, the standards I hold me to mm-hmm. that if I'm not trying to up my game and and trying to make it a more a more immersive and engaging and fun experience for everybody, that I am being complacent. Mm-hmm. So I always look for angles to do that. Um, the second part of it for me is that. Um, it keeps me engaged, uh, because, uh, especially lately, Mm -hmm. um, I have been struggling a lot with my depression, Mm -mm. uh, today, especially today has been a, today has been a drag for me. Um, and, uh, things like this podcast keep me into a certain schedule. It gives me something I need to get up and do. Right. And that is a very useful tool for breaking out of depressive episodes. Um, and so, I mean, I, we jokingly call this our weekly therapy session, but kind of not. It kind of is. Um, because it gets me here with one of my friends doing something I enjoy. Uh, but kind of along those same lines, doing something extra that requires production quality, whether that is printing and painting new miniatures for some unique um, creatures that I'm going to have as, as enemies, mm-hmm. um, or building elaborate terrain mm-hmm. uh for my uh for my game mm-hmm. or um you know making multimedia things like those new news broadcasts for uh for my adventure game for my uh, for my aberrant game mm-hmm. those keep me engaged and they if i set a uh a day that i need to be you know that i need to have it done by a deadline because obviously i've got a game i've got to present it at some point i can't put it off indefinitely like some of my pet painting projects mm-hmm I have to get off my tuchus and I have to do it. Yep. And even if it gets to the point where I'm looking at it out of the corner of my eye going, crap, that needs to be done three days from now. Right, right. It at least, it at least pushes me. Yeah. You know, and gives me that drive. So, uh, and then the, the net result is all my players get to experience the fun other end of it, of experiencing it. Yes. And it makes it all worth it. Yeah. From, from an outsider's perspective on that commentary. Mm-hmm. I would say, and because I've been your player, it's that when you make the effort, it's noted. Yeah. And that energy is transferred. It's a gift. Yeah. And I think that beyond the obvious surprise, which sometimes isn't a surprise, we we know what's coming, but we want it still. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It's about the delivery. It's not about, it's not about the the surprise. It's not about me sneaking up on you. It's about the prestige. I think there's a an essence of that to it, mm-hmm. but it's also the it's just the fact that it's coming and that mm-hmm. you're presenting. I think that has its own weight to it as well. Um, so my take on this, I'm going to start at the, the the beginning of this with with the the question that is is that do you do it every time? And I would say that you have to know your group. Mm-hmm. I would say if you are a a showman. And you want to make a show of it every time, regardless of the people who are there in front of you. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Bringing an A game every single time is is a great energy work. It's a it's a good thing to do. It keeps you it keeps you sharp. Definitely does all those things for you. The thing that it is for me, and this is going to sound a little odd, and I'm going to kind of work through it, is that you have a relationship with your players. Yeah, that relationship is is just as it sounds. It needs to be cultivated, it needs to be honest, and it needs to have flavor and spice to it. And so when you bring that to it, it comes back to you. Oh, absolutely. You oh, know, I like that angle. I and really that's, like that angle. Like, I can say from decades of playing with people that I know that if I bring them on their worst day but still coming to game something special mm-hmm. whether it's like i'm going like and i'm just going to take this outside of gaming context if i'm going to my friend's house and i walk in the door i'm going to say this about a certain friend if i walk in the door with a cinnamon roll in my hand mm-hmm. she knows it's for her mm-hmm. and whatever she was doing that day her brain has just changed because i have brought to her something that she wanted that was a little unexpected but it was a little bit of glory that brought her a little energy. Now that energy is going to come back. Yeah. If I do the same thing at my table, if I bring a feeling of excitement or I 
make something special or I bring a certain level of audio or I, I have a certain map, I have certain minis, and I have a sense of excitement about it, that's going to translate into the relationship. Yeah. And that's going to come around. Now, that may not come around immediately, but it's going to bring them back to the table again and again. And them coming back to the table gives me a reason to keep being creative. Oh, absolutely. So it is a give and take in that. And as a player, when somebody does something like that, the acknowledgement is more than just, wow, that was really cool. You know, sometimes that's all you've got energy wise, but just coming back to the table because it was cool Mm -hmm. is something for them to see. Yeah. You know, I love it when my players bring painted minis and set them down in front of me and it, you know, for my game, like that's excitement to me. Oh yeah. Like that, like now you're invested. Right. You know, we always say the session three is the day of investment. Now you're in a game. Well, you know? cause what, what that says, what that says to you is I love your game enough to have put this amount of energy and time and love into it. Exactly. So I'm basically what you're saying is that this level of production quality, this level of going the extra mile is like the, is like the flowers and chocolate of gaming. Yeah, it is. It is very much so. You can have a bland game or you can bring a little extra. Mm -hmm. You can you can up your game a little bit. You can up your game as a player a little bit and really show thanks for how everything comes together. And that comes out in the end. It shows. So I think that's the difference. I'm not saying it's a difference, but I think it's a different view that I have. To yeah, it. yeah. Once, once I, I guess mine's mine's a little more focused on myself, just to you know give myself the motivation. You know, the, the, and I'm not the, saying that those same motivators aren't in me. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm just looking at the, the the next point, which is the connection point. Absolutely, and I, I think that's that's something I, I didn't say in my own, but I think I was thinking yeah. it is that yeah. you know yeah okay you may you may crunch you know to, to get to get a bunch of miniatures speed painted mm-hmm. for your uh, for mm-hmm. your thing. But I'll tell you what, when you when you plop those things down fully painted and, mm-hmm. and awesome looking on your you know uh, on your table and your your players have never seen them before and they're snapping and pictures, every one of them is like, "Holy crap, Sarah! Yeah, oh my god, that is so awesome!" I'm like, man, hearing that from your players is just sure. yep, just puts whatever whatever you spent getting those things done yep. puts it right back in your tank and then exactly some. exactly. And that's that's a great feeling. That's a great yeah. feeling, no matter who you are. Because I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I love storytelling. You know, obviously, obviously, I love storytelling. Yep. But man, what I love most is just giving that sort of enjoyment to my players. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, it's it's when when my players step away from my table exhausted, like they've just had the best meal of their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, and go, holy crap! Or yeah. The the end of the game comes with them going. Is it f and nine o'clock? Yeah. We've been here for twelve hours. Exactly. The answer is yes. And we had pizza six hours ago. Yeah. You know, man, am I tired? But oh my god, that was worth it. That was so great. Like when when you have those moments and when you mm-hmm. see them, you know, do that. Like you know, it was all worth it. Yeah. You know, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. All worth it. So I, I would say I hope that answers your question, Knox. As far as it, I think. Your question was long, but appropriate. So do you bring it every time? Why not? Yeah. Why if, not? If you have the energy for it. If you've it. got and the energy, do it. Look, and I, and, I, and I don't think I don't think there's any expectation that we always have the energy for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's definitely, you know, look, we're, there's the assumption of friendship at the table. Always. That we talk about. And uh, I mean, we are all friends. Our, and the need for honesty. Definitely. And, and the need for honesty. And if you don't have it in you. You don't have it in you, and yeah. I think your players will will understand that. I don't think you're letting anybody down by not constantly bringing that energy. So next week's topic is actually going to be a contributor topic. Yep. Um, we're going to be talking about um, hard and soft storytelling. And Sarah and I got in a little bit of a back and forth on this uh, yeah. of different opinions. So next week's going to be fun yeah. <laughs> on, on where we, we take this. We both have strong opinions on this. So I, yeah. I, yeah, I'd say they're relatively strong opinions. But yeah, I, I think But we uh, we came to a good understanding. And I think it'll be a fun discussion when it yep. comes uh, when it comes around to it next week. So Hard storytelling I, I and you... soft storytelling. The devil's in the details. So you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave on Instagram, also st underscore conclave. Listen to us live uh, every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can listen to us at mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. We'd love to have you. 
you can also find our uh, link to our uh, site on uh, our di- <laughs> and to our Discord in our Twitter. Uh, that's uh, storyteller-conclave.blueberry. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot net. We'd like to thank our Patreon members, Knox, Sam, and the Arcane Asylum especially. Thank you so much to all of you out there who help us month in and month out keep this thing rolling, and we appreciate it. Our pre-show music is uh, that you heard earlier today, which we will be doing again next week, is, uh, I, I think it's pronounced Madan. Uh, you can find that at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash Madan. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrogmusic.webly.com. And our outro, which you're hearing now, is our Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. Uh, you can find that at soundcloud.com slash machine slash tracks. And I want to also give a big shout out to our families, as always. Uh, Vicky and Sean, thank you for supporting us. All of our friends who've sat with us at our tables over throughout the years and given us all these great experiences. And to you, every one of our listeners, we love you. Stay safe. Yes. And good night. Good night. <laughs>